Amelia Ena Salinas, software engineer and host of the Women in Tech show, technical interviews with prominent women in tech. Many industries are using technology to improve their processes and provide better services to people. Natalie Gray, co-founder and lead of product design at Cover, explained the bottlenecks in the insurance process and how technology can simplify it. We talked about a mobile-first solution that addresses these problems. Natalie talked about the product design process and how ideas can be evaluated. We also talked about Stylekick, a fashion e-commerce app that she co-founded that was later acquired by Shopify. Before we get on with the show, I'd like to thank Blind for being a sponsor. Navigating the workplace can be a challenge. Blind is an anonymous app for tech workers where they can discuss and talk about career development, compensation, workplace harassment, corporate policies, and more. Go to teamblind.com to download the app and connect with other employees from your company. That's teamblind.com. Thank you. Natalie Gray, co-founder and lead product design at Cover, is joining us today. Natalie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Early in your career, at around 2013, you co-founded Stylekick, a fashion e-commerce app, which was later acquired by Shopify. Can you explain what the app consisted of? So Stylekick was an e-commerce mobile app where we sold uh, high-end fashion and our community of users would upload photos of themselves. They were all usually very active fashion bloggers on web. And this was like a new a new channel for them on mobile. So from those outfits, they would tag where they got those those items from, um, and then the the rest of the community could could shop those outfits. And, and kind of what we did, what was special, is not only could you buy directly from the store where this person bought their pieces from, we would search their items against our database of clothing and shoes and accessories, and give you a variety of choices from you know different price points or different similar styles. And then you could kind of find something similar if you couldn't find that exact piece. And you're saying originally they could tag the store, they bought their outfit out, right? Yeah. So if you had, you know, a lot of the times these you know fashion enthusiasts and bloggers, they're shopping from brands that are much higher price points. So if they had a bag from from, you know, a red Hermes bag that's thousands of dollars, you know, you could find a comparable bag that looked very similar for much less. How did, was the system able to find something similar? So we would index clothing based upon uh, their meta tags. So the color, the style, the cut, really any type of characteristic that we could use to describe this item of clothing that was Where, where price really was only one of those tags. So then if you had red leather, handbag, gold buckles, the, the engine would go and find other items that satisfied those, satisfied those tags. And this color, style and cut, were those tags put by the user or was there also some sort of automation with image recognition or something like that? So a lot of the times we would use, we would use scrapers to pull in as much information about the piece as we could. And then we'd also rely on the user tagging and then, you know, tagging services that we had on our end. And this was a core component of this app, the fact that influencers are uploading their clothes 
and indicating where they bought it. How did you reach to those influencers? How did you start getting users? Well, you know, initially it was kind of like the, the when you have a two-sided marketplace, like as we did, it, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg problem where, you know, people will come if there's interesting content and interesting content really only gets posted if people are there. So initially we started seeding our database. So there are a number of fashion bloggers and influencers that had some very strong presences on you know, Tumblr, was very big back then. So we would create fan pages for these bloggers on our app. And that's how we've seeded our first, you know, few thousand images. And then uh, it was actually really cool to see some of those bloggers come and claim their fan pages, you know, after, you know, a couple months of having it out. That's a very interesting idea. And from your experience at Stylekick, what did you notice were some of the challenges that the fashion industry was facing in terms of leveraging technology? I'd actually say that, you know, the fashion and e-commerce and sh the shopping space is, is very competitive. So I would say that there has been a fair amount of, of innovation there in terms of affiliate marketing models, different mobile apps, you know, Instagram is kind of, you know, chasing the same model that we had with people being able to tag that photo, tag their photos, and then the fans of that photo are able to shop for that item. Um, I would say the challenge that we came up against really was you have this item of clothing And then you have someone who likes that item of clothing, they go and they try to purchase it. And then the likelihood of having that item in their size um, at a price point they're comfortable with and then available for shipping in their area. There's so many pieces of criteria that you have to fulfill in order to get that item in that person's hand. And here at Stylekick, just going back more to the design portion of it, what was the process for designing the product and features? Here. So it's very similar to how we approach design at cover. So you identify an area that you want to improve or create product for, you assess the severity of it, what will creating this product or feature do for our customers and, and our users, and then you go about designing and then building and then testing the feature that you want to build. It's a fairly, you know, standard process across any type of app or software build. As I mentioned earlier, Stylekick ended up getting acquired by Shopify. What, in your opinion, are some of the pros and cons of being acquired? You know, when you start a business, it's really what your intentions are when starting that business. If your goal is to just be acquired, then it's great because you achieved your goal. But if that that wasn't your end goal when you started, it can be difficult because, you know, you had your intention was to solve this problem and then see results from it. But oftentimes when you're acquired, it's because you couldn't make that that problem, you know, that solution work for that problem. So it's, it's kind of a bittersweet because you're very excited to join this this larger company where you have you have access to things that you didn't as a small startup, people that are, you know, experts in their field, capital, um, but then at the same time, you're effectively shuttering your company. I think we were very lucky to be acquired into a, a company like Shopify that they are doing really interesting things in the e-commerce space. They're very talented team. So even though we weren't there that long, I, I really do value my time there. How big was Stylekick? So when they acquired our company, they acquired a four of us. It was three founders plus our, our first hire into Stylekick. So it was four people they took over. 
Let's talk now about Cover, one of the co-founders, and you are also the lead of product design. Cover is a startup that provides a mobile-first solution for getting a price quote for insurance coverage. Before we talk in more detail about this and before you explain what Cover is doing, I want to understand the process of getting a quote from an insurance coverage without using Cover. How is this typically done? So typical if you go online and you find, you know, an online aggregator, you find a website where you can get a quote for insurance, you put your information in, you'll be served, you know, a bunch of numbers, and those are the prices for your auto insurance, and then you make a selection, and then usually you're bombarded with phone calls of brokers because that site has sold your information. It's a very manual process and it's a very old process that really hasn't been changed in a very long time. And this you're saying it's for a general website where you can get results from different brands of insurance. It's not, but it's also very similar if you go to a very specific car insurance. It's a similar process, right? You fill out a form and then you get back phone calls and quotes. Yes, it's usually the same process, whether you're going to a direct consumer like Geico or State Farm or whether you are shopping through a broker. And in that case, the broker is your representation to the carrier. So if you were to buy a policy from, uh, you know, Safeco, for example. What are the pain points that Cover is focusing on eliminating in this process? So we want to make insurance, for one, more easily understood by the consumer. For a lot of the time, it's just something that you're required to have. But for the most part, as a consumer, you don't really know what it is you're paying for or, or what these coverages truly mean. So we try to be as transparent as possible and as helpful as possible in, in helping a person get the insurance coverages um, that they need. And we also want to make the entire process just more convenient and faster. So the people that are more so buying insurance through cover are, you know, probably... 24 to 35, they're millennials and they're making their first big purchases of their lives with their first car or their first phone. And in, for the most part, they're mobile first consumers. So when they have a problem, they're going to go first to their phone or you know to their browser to solve that problem for them. They're not going to pick up a phone book and try to call somebody. Yes. And you're making this, like you said, convenient, faster, easy to understand. Can you explain how the mobile first solution is making this a reality? Well, there are certain tools that we can take advantage in the phone that you just can't take advantage of if you were to call someone or to do it even on, on desktop. And for one, we do ask for a driver's license as a, a piece of, of ID. Um, we do need that number as well as there's just, it's faster and easier for a, a person to fill out their application. So we're able to use um, the camera in the phone as a scanner. So you don't have to sit there and enter in all, in your, all of your information. So that that's just one point where it makes it you know much easier and faster to collect that information. Can you walk me through how the app looks like, how it works? When somebody opens it, what is the first thing they see if they're trying to get a quote? So if they're trying to get a car insurance quote, the first thing we ask them for is the driver's license, so a piece of ID. And from that, we can pull a lot of the information that we need to fill out the application. They're asked for the type of car they'd like to get insurance for. Um, how many drivers on that car, um, if, they, if they're married and have a spouse that they want to add, um, they're asked to enter in that information as well. Then there's you know, several other underwriting questions that we're asking, um, and then uh, we deliver a price in, in app 
to them. If there's a, a price that they, you know, they like and they want to proceed with, they're pay they're paired with one of our insurance experts who will either who will basically talk to them fully over text and getting this policy bound. So it's a fairly painless and fast process to get insurance through cover. And what is the role of taking the picture? Because for example, when I was getting a quote for my car insurance, I used a specific insurance, I didn't have to upload any photo. So the driver's license, just taking a scan of that, it allows us to pull information just more accurately than just having you enter it in manually. And it's, it's just a lot faster for the customer to do that. Um, one of the you know sticky points of being able to pull your information and give you a good quote is knowing your real name. So we need to know your real name as it is presented on your driver's license, not, you know, if your name is Christopher, we need to know that it's Christopher, not Chris, which, you know, what you may go by if you were to enter in. Um, and create an account. Does the app also allow you to take a picture of your car? Is that necessary? So for certain carriers, it's not necessary, but we do encourage everyone to take a photo of their property. And the reason for that is in the event of a claim. So if you were to get, you know, knock on wood, you got into an accident or your property was damaged, when you are making that claim to the insurance carrier, you have this photo of what your car looked like at this date and time. And it's just a much easier process for the consumer to have that claim fulfilled and to be made whole again. I see. As a lead of product design in this area, one of the components of product design is evaluating ideas. How do you evaluate ideas? I think by knowing the problem really well is the criteria I take first in evaluating any solution or just creative test that we want to run because effectively there are infinite number of solutions that we could take. There's infinite color combinations and buttons and layouts and everything else that we want to, that we could possibly do, but there should only be one problem that we're solving for. And if you know that problem in and out, it makes the solution, the right solution, much more clear. Is there specific information that you think would be sufficient to decide that an idea is ready to be implemented in terms of metrics or something like this? Well, the idea is ready to be implemented. At that point, we would have identified the metric that we were tr trying to change. We would know the problem that we're solving for. We would have a high fidelity prototype that we had user tested. Um, and then we would have built that solution and then tested that solution. And then at that point, then it would be ready to release to a small percentage of our audience. And then if that test was successful and significant, we would increase the number of people that saw it up until we were at 100% of traffic um, was seeing that product change. What does the high fidelity prototype consist of? Is it a, a real in, real app or? Um, usually it's a principle or envision a mock. And you mentioned this is tested with users? Yes. So we put it into the hands of our, our users and we also use uh, different services where you can have people use your feature and then give feedback on it. And is this the way you test several ideas and also decide which one to go with? Or is it mostly just to reassure the idea that you were already set on implementing? We'll do both. I think we'll, we'll do both. So it depends, you know, how confident we are in the change that we're proposing. If we're just not, you know, we want more testing around the concept, we'll test it earlier and then 
uh, towards the end, right before we have the handoff to our development team, we'll run it through testing again, just to make sure there are no, you know, small things that we've forgotten about, because your eyes do get kind of tired when you're staring at the same change for a while, and you just may glance over things that are very obvious to fresh eyes. Who are the users that are testing these mocks? Is it a mixture of company employees or also people externally? So we use you know, third-party services for testing. We also test it very thoroughly internally, as well as setting up you know, user tests with real cover users. Once the idea is ready to be implemented and is released, what are some of the useful metrics to look at as part of the product design team? To be honest, it, it depends on the change that we're shipping, which part of the funnel we're trying to affect. So if it's you know something... To to do with our onboarding, we look at our sign-up percentage. If it's something to do with the questions that we're asking for an auto quote request, we would look at the completed request percentage. It really does depend on which aspect where the change is for. Can you give an example of an idea, either at Cover, Stylekick, or somewhere else, that was ruled out and the reasoning why it was ruled out and not implemented? So an example would be, we ask a fair number of questions for our customers to get an auto quote back. And some of the questions, you know, are, are fairly simple. What's your name? Where do you live? What's your date of birth? Um, but some of the questions are fairly challenging that you just, that a person and even myself included, just wouldn't know off the top of your head, such as a, a VIN number. So when we tested asking the VIN number in, in our auto quote request flow, just not enough people and, and user tests from the user testing filled that field out for it to be meaningful for us. And then for the most part, we had people entering in just a nonsense string of numbers just to get past the screen. So in that case, it was a question that even though there was a small percentage of people that knew that answer and it was really helpful for us to have that, it wasn't worth the additional friction that it was causing to the majority of people going through the quote request. So we took it out. I see, which is why it's important to have this data-driven decision-making, right? As a lead of product design, what teams do you also collaborate with? So to be honest, <laughs> all teams. I act as you know the go-between between our sales and business development teams to our engineering and design teams on these are the big business problems that we're trying to solve right now. And you know, these are, are the areas that the product teams should be focusing on. And then we look at those problems and then come up with solutions and ways we can positively affect our numbers with those solutions. I see, which is why the interaction with sales, right? I, I didn't expect you would say sales, but yeah, I'm kind of curious. What is that interaction like between product design and sales? Well, um, when we first started out and we were still in YC, I did our sales and customer service for, I think, the first year because just to get a better sense of who our customer was and how they were being interacted with and what that full sales experience looked like as we move you know, portions of it to our products and not with you know, an actual sales person having to enter in every single piece of information. So I think it's really important to stay as close to our customer as we can. And the sales team is, is our front line for that interaction. And this is a clear example of what I've heard people say that if you're in a startup, you get to wear many hats. And in this case, you were pretty much in charge of sales, right? 
No, I, I wouldn't say in charge of sales. <laughs> I was just, you know, acting in that capacity, but it was... Um, well, actively involved in sales. Very actively involved. But now, you know, we have a sales team and, and our, our VP of sales, you know, he was a, came from Metro Miles. So we have some really experienced, you know, sales DNA now, which I'm really happy for. What are some of the ways in which you manage conflict, for example, either at a meeting or if there's an idea and somebody's saying something else, but you strongly believe in the other idea? What are some of the things that you take into account to manage conflict? I think at the end of the day is how are we solving the problem that we all agreed brought us here? So if we have a, you know, two very drastic opinions on how a problem should be solved, um, I think we need to go into each of them and figure out why do these opinions differ so much. And then we also need to look at the relative risk of each of those suggestions. And I think it's just about, you know, we're all here to make Cover a successful company and to create um, something valuable for our customers. So I think if we just all keep that in mind and then we dedicate our time to thoroughly understanding that problem, the solution and the path that we should take should be much more, you know, easily revealed to us as opposed to, you know, having a war of wills or a war of egos on what we should be doing. So just bring back the discussion to what is the problem we're trying to solve, pretty much. Exactly. What are some of the tools and technologies used as product design? So do you mean like in the design process of product or what language we're coding in? Yeah, because you mentioned earlier there's mocks, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. So we always start with, you know, good old pen and paper. Yeah. And you really sketch out, you know, a few ideas or concepts that we're going for. I'm a huge fan of, you know, customer journeys and workflows. So that's without any UI, just showing how does the customer enter this stage or this part of the product and how do they get out of it? So it, it honestly looks like a massive, it's just a massive blueprint of the app. From there, we use Sketch for all of our mocks. And then for proto, for quick prototyping, we use Envision. Uh, more involved prototyping, we use Principle. Before we finish, I want to talk a bit about entrepreneurship. I'm curious of what were some of the main learnings you took from Stylekick that have helped you at Cover? So again, I would say, you know, coming back to the kind of the same point I've been harping on the whole time is just is knowing what your the problem is you're solving for. It's very easy to get caught up in building cool things and you know chasing an end goal that you as a designer want to reach, but that might not that's not necessarily what's right for the company. That would probably be my main learning. Yes, and I totally understand that. And what can happen is you get excited about this cool technology and you're like, oh, I'm going to add it to the app. And then it's not really adding any value to the users, right? Yeah. And those changes can become very costly, especially with engineering time. If you, you know, made the wrong thing and then you realize that you made the wrong thing once it's already coded, because at that point it has to be all be redone. And then you will very, very quickly burn through your resources doing that. Stylekick was focused in solving problems in the fashion industry. Cover is taking on challenges in the insurance industry. Are there other industries that you're seeing now that have gaps of areas of opportunity in terms of technology? Industries that are waiting to be changed by technology? I think, I think there's many industries that are, you know, ripe for some innovation. I would say that 
one thing that I really liked going from, you know, fashion, which is a very, you know, sexy space. It's everything is the product you're dealing with is beautiful. You're with a lot of you know, people that are dedicated to making beautiful, exciting things, and then moving towards insurance where literally nothing is sexy. (laughs) It's a very, very dry industry, but there's a lot more opportunity to apply interesting things. So I feel like in this industry, I, I, I in fact, have have more flexibility than I did um, in fashion to, you know, make cool things and, and apply novel technologies. So I would say that those are the areas that I, I think, you know, we should be paying attention to disrupt, whether that's, uh, I think, enterprise software is a big one that, that could, you know, really do with people who are design focused, wanting to create a better user experience for those types of software. And I think that's kind of true of insurance as well. It's, it's compulsory. You have to have it. You you don't really have a choice. If you want to drive a car, you have to have you have to have auto insurance. So that's kind of why the the user experience is is justified in being bad because you you have to have it. So I think other industries would that also you know satisfy that where you you have to have it in order to do something. There there's definitely space to improve and apply the principles of you know good user experience to you know an industry like fashion where you're buying items that you don't necessarily need. You want them and the buying experience is enjoyable. Natalie, thank you for coming on the show. It's been great talking to you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks to Blind for being a new sponsor of the show. Go to teamblind.com. That's teamblind.com to download the app and connect with other employees from your company. Check it out. Bye.